This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. He is, he's good and He's only good. And He's faithful and He's always faithful. And you can never track from the very beginning of time when God created things. When In the original creation, you don't see God creating anything evil. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, you can go through the process and He created the sun, the moon, the stars, and then what did He say? It was good. And He talked about creating the seed, the grass, the plants, the trees. Then what would He say? It was good. Then he talked about creating the water and the sea creatures and the, the animals. And then he goes through the whole process. And what would he see after each, what would he say after each thing that he created? It was good. Then he created man and he got to the very end. And he said, it is very, it's very good. So in the original creation, you never see God creating anything evil because evil comes out of evil and good comes out of good and God is good and He's only good and He can't create evil. Sickness, is it good or bad? Bad. Didn't come from God. Lack, is it good or bad? Didn't come from God. Rape, Good or bad? Didn't come from God. Tornadoes, hurricanes, floods? Good or bad? Anything that kills, steals, and destroys, anything that is a destructive force is not from our Heavenly Father. And as I go across the country and, and I hear, and you've heard these, and, and today I want us just, to, I want us just to, to listen and I want us to think about what we truly believe. Because, you know, just because we believe something doesn't mean that it's right. And so we've always got to go back to what we believe and ask this question, where is the Scripture? Where is the Scripture? Not my opinion. Not necessarily what I've been taught. Not, not what we've sung. You know, there can be songs in the psalm books that are not biblical. Doesn't mean the people didn't love God doesn't mean that you and I, when the areas that we've been wrong, it doesn't mean that we don't love God. It's just where we're at. And God always wants us to keep coming up in our thinking, our believing, and our perception of Him. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I want you to stay with me this morning. And, and I want you to believe God with me. As I've been praying, I, of course, I enjoy um, just encouraging the body of Christ. And, and, and I want us... To really get into God's Word, and I want us to think about a few things. And we're going to talk about God's will being revealed to us, and how we have a choice in God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, it says in the Amplified, that's what I'm going to read out of, it says, For this commandment which I command you this day is not too difficult for you. Say, it's not too difficult. Nor is it far off. It is not a, a secret laid up in heaven that you should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your mind and in your heart, so that you can do it. You can do it. 
The Word of God is not too difficult for us to do. It's only the doers of the Word of God that gets results. It's not just the churchgoers that get results. It's not the ones that can just quote the Bible that get results. It's the, it's the doers. He says it's the Word of God that it's, it's near us. It's in our mouth. It's in our mind. It's in our heart. So we can, we can do it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. Let's keep going. Verse 15. See, I've set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you, if, if, notice that, that phrase there, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land into which you go to possess. You know that God wants to bless us. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to increase. But notice the phrase, if. So you've heard, and I want, I want to ask you this, how many of you have heard the phrase, or maybe you've even said it yourself, well, God is in control. Control of what? Everything. Oh, really? So let's just start with you. Yesterday. So you're telling me everything you thought, God was in control of it. Everything you said, oh, God was in control of it. Whether you ate Special K or Raisin Bran, God was in control of it. Whether you wore red underwear or green underwear, See, a lot of the stuff that we say we believe really doesn't make a lot of sense. God is in control of everything? Let's keep going. Verse 17. But if, say if, your mind and heart turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not live long in the land which you pass over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Choose life. Whose choice is it whether we walk in life or death? But I thought God was in control of everything. If there's an if, then there's a choice. If we had no choice, there would be no if. And there are ifs all through the Bible. If you do this, this is the result. If you do this, this is the result. Go with me to Revelation chapter 3. So I'm glad I came today. I can tell we're having a lot of fun already. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Now, now listen to this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Let's, let's read that again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you don't open the door, I'm going to blow the hinges off and I'm going to come in anyway. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. What if you don't open the door? Will he still come in? I thought God was in control of everything. See, a lot of the things that we say, we believe, it's important that we ask, where is the Scripture? Is God all-knowing and all-powerful and almighty and all-present? Yes, 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 yes. He is everywhere at all times, but He doesn't come in unless we ask Him. He's not involved unless we ask Him. You know, there's a lot of stuff I see in churches that God's not involved in. We've got to ask, why do we do what we do? Why do we sing what we sing? Why do we worship like we worship? Why do we give like we give? Why are we coming to church? Do we have a say-so in how far we go in our relationship with God? Yes. Do we have a say-so of how much power and authority and dominion that we walk in? Yes. Well, if, if God just wants it to happen, bless God, it'll just happen. <laughs> I remember this one guy was teaching, and he was teaching along these lines, and this guy got up, because this will stir some religious feathers right here, I'm telling you. <laughs> this guy gets up and says, bless God, God is sovereign, and, and if he wants you to do it, he's going to make you do it. And the guy said, just out of his spirit, didn't even think about it. He said, well, then why don't he make you pay your tithes then? Said the guy just slid down in his chair and didn't say anything else. See, God isn't going to make us do anything. From the very beginning, if he was going to make anybody do anything, he would have intercepted whenever Eve went to eat the fruit. He would have slapped it out of her hand said, don't you eat that. If he was going to make anybody do any everything or anything, he would make us get saved. That's the most important thing there is, is for us to have a relationship with Almighty God. But does He make us give our life to Him? Does He make us worship Him? Does He make us apply the Word? Does He make us renew our mind? Does He make us give us our money? Does He make us be at the right place at the right time? No, He doesn't. The church has a choice in how much of the things of God we walk in. Are we willing... To release what we thought. See, we like a no-fault religion. Where no matter what happens, it's not my fault. God is in control of everything. Yeah, it's not my fault. Dog in the trash. Must be the will of God, not my fault. Hooked on drugs. Must be the will of God, not my fault. Everything... How about this one? Everything... Happens for a reason. Yeah, it might be because people make dumb choices. Just because it's a result happening doesn't mean it's the will of God. Will God allow something to happen that's not His will? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 8? We don't have to go there. You can go at your own time. Remember when, when the, the people of God, they kept calling out, to God, we, we want a king like everybody else. And God, he did, I mean, it grieved the heart of the prophet Samuel. And he didn't, he didn't agree and he went to God and God says, give them what they want. Was it the will of God that they be led by a king like everybody else? No. Did God let them have what they wanted even though it was against the will of God? Do we have a choice? 
Do we have a choice of how much power we walk in? Do we have a choice of how much authority and dominion we walk in? Do we have a choice of how much God is involved? Do we have a choice? Yes. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he says, pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Finish it. Okay, what's the crime rate in heaven? Oh my gosh, Gabriel, did you see that? I mean, that angel flew right through here and stole the crown. <laughs> Is there sickness in heaven? Are there tornadoes ripping up the east side of the throne room? So if everything was just going to happen, and it was all up to God, and it all must be God's will, why would He tell us to pray for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Go with me to Psalms 115. I can hear your wheels turning. See, in order for us to really to, to go to the next level, to operate in all that God has for us, that's it, it, why daily relationship is so important, isn't it? That we've got, when we come into the house of God, we've got to be willing to let go of what we thought we knew and be willing to, okay, where, where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? Because if it was a bad idea 500 years ago, it can be a bad idea today. Right? Where's the scripture? Say that. Where's the scripture? Psalms 115, verse 15, it says, May you be blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. Let's read that again. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. The earth He has given to the children of men. Is, is the earth the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Yes. By, by right of creation, Yes, and at, and at some point in time when Jesus comes back, there's coming, we know, the end, we know the end result is good. The end result is we win. The end result is victorious. But right now, is what's happening on the earth God's control? Let, let me put it this way. How much of God's will being done on earth, just like it is in heaven, is it up to God or is it up to man? It's up to us. God wants to show up. God wants to reveal His heart. He wants us to walk in dominion and authority and power. He wants us to walk in the blessing. But He says, if, 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 if. The other day when I was working on these notes, and this is for this church and whoever listens to this teaching, and, and this is had a tongue and interpretation while right in the middle while I was doing, doing my notes. And if you don't believe in that, you know, it's uh, apologize. Because uh, it would really benefit your life, you know. There's a lot of times people say, well, healing has passed away. Or, or, or tongues, interpretation have passed away. Or the gifts of the Spirit have, have passed away. And, and it'd be just like if I'm, you know, in the backyard and I'm backstroking in the swimming pool. And they come out and say, there's no water in that pool. What are you doing? <laughs> too late. I'm already wet. Right? So, too late. God is, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His power is for us today. And He wants us to walk in victory in every area of our life. Amen? And so I was praying, and this was the interpretation. It says, knowing these things is a big deal. My people must know that it is me, what is me, and what is not me, in order to receive 
and resist. In other words, what he's saying right there, we've got to know what's him in order to receive what is from him, and we've got to know what to resist in order to resist what is not from him. In order to stand, he want me to pause right there. For example, if we think as the church where we're, we're blaming a, a lot of what's going on and we say God is in the control of everything and, and, and that baby dying young, it must just be the will of God or there's a reason for everything, that's not true. That is a lie. I don't care how many initials you have behind your name and how much knowledge you have in your head, that is not the Heavenly Father that I know and that I serve. That is not the truth. God doesn't need another little baby in the, in the choir. He doesn't need a little angel up there singing. God promises us to live long and to live strong. And so if we are blaming, let's just say, because we don't say this, but this is what we say we believe when a tornado comes or lack comes or destruction comes, and we just say, well, God's in control of everything, and everything just happens for a reason, and we're saying that, okay, God and the devil are working together. Okay, that car wreck, well, God must be trying to teach you something. Or that cancer, well, God must be trying to teach you something. So see, if you think that God is sending the sickness, you're not going to resist it. If you think God is sending the lack, you're not going to resist it. If you think God is sending the confusion, then you're not going to resist it. If you think God is sending the flood or the hurricane or the earthquake, then you're not going to resist it. So if you don't know what's God and what's the devil, you don't know what the blessing is or the curse is, whenever something comes and you think it just must be the will of God, then you're not going to stand your ground and resist it because you think it's of God. So how can you stand up and command it to leave in Jesus' name if you think God's the one who sent it? So he said it's very important that we know these things in order to receive what is from our Heavenly Father and to resist what is not from our Heavenly Father. Are you with me? Keep going with the interpretation. In order to stand or take the land, in order to praise and declare the promises, if they don't know me or what I'm doing, then they will live with question marks in their heart and they live their life questioning me. But if they know what is me and what isn't me, then they will boldly rise up and take their place. They will rise up and run the race. They will rise up and shine, and they will live a life that is divine. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. I know this is not a running the aisle type of service or message right here, but it's life-changing. Romans chapter 8. This is a... a, a you hear people say this, so, so we've, we've, we've touched on the phrase, okay, God's in control of everything. We've touched on the phrase, everything just happens for a reason. How, how about the phrase, well, it, it's all going to work for good. It's not all going to work for good for everybody. When the Bible is referring to that, it works for good to those who love God and those who trust God, and those who are connected to God. It's not going to turn out good for the drug lord. It's not going to tr- turn out good for the rapist. It's not going to turn out good. The wages of sin are death. No matter, no matter what, how you look at it, you keep choosing wrong. Wrong is going to be the result. So everything is not good. And everything is not working out for good. For everybody. It's for a very specific group of people. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. 
So who's it going to work out good for? Who's, who's God going to take what the devil meant for harm and turn it around for our good? Those who love God. Is that you? That loving God doesn't mean just flapping your lips saying, oh, bless the Lord, brother. Loving God doesn't mean you just wear your Christian t-shirt and your necklace and your cross and have the bumper stickers. No, loving God means that I'm hearing God's word and I'm doing God's word. Loving God means that I'm not playing church, I'm going after God because I am the church. Loving God means that I'm in the process and even when life knocks me down, I get back up, I keep hearing and I keep doing, I keep hearing and I keep doing, I stay in the game. I love you, Lord, but there's fruit, there's actions backing up what I'm saying with my mouth. And to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know, my phone's down there, and if I had it, you know, call, called according to his purpose, the, the word called there means a, it, it's an invitation, that there's, there's called, you've received the call to relationship with God, you've received the call, you're in the process, you're in the family of God, the call, and how many of you, when your phone rings, at some point in time, have you hit the mute button and kept doing what you were doing? Calls again, you hit the mute button. Or you have it on vibrate, you're doing something. And you don't answer it. <laughs> How many times have you felt the Spirit of God nudging at your heart and you hit the mute button? How many times have you know that God wants to show more of His heart? He wants to reveal more of His plan. He wants to reveal more, more to you, but you keep hitting the mute button. You're going throughout your day. I'm too busy, God. I got too much going, God. God promises to work all things together for our good because we love God and we're called according to His purpose. This doesn't, isn't a promise just to churchgoers. This isn't a promise to the Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostal, the non-denominational. This isn't a promise just to somebody who just puts their name on the church roster. This is a promise to those who say, God, I trust you with my family. I trust you with my health. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my destiny. I trust you with my purpose. I trust you, God. And yes, I have faced something that is killing, stealing, and destroying. But I expect you to get involved in, in the message translation. It says God being a partner in their labor. When God is your partner, some of you, you've had business partners that were good and some that were bad. But God says, when I am a business partner, I'm a partner in your labor I'm going to intervene on your behalf. I'm going to get involved. How many of you, can don't raise your hand, can truly say that, God, you're a partner in my marriage. God, you're a partner in my calling. God, you're a partner in my business. God, you're a partner in what I'm called and created to do. To this person, God says, I will take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it around for your good. Johnson paraphrased, we will shove it right up the devil's nose. Let's keep going. Go with me to John chapter 1. Uh, there's so much. There's, there's just so much. Um, go, go to John chapter 1. For time's sake, I want you to hold your place in John 1. And I want to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Amplified. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Does God have a good life for us? 
IQ test. Do this. Yes, God does have a good life. Does God have a good spirit for us? Yes. Is God's word good? Yes. Is everything about God good? Yes. But does that mean that you and I will live the good life? No. Even though we're recreated, you know you can be born again on the inside but still live a life with an unrenewed mind and a life that says I'm not saved even though you are saved on the inside. Because when we're born again, we ask Jesus to come in instantly. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But to change our life, we've got to change our mind. To change our life, we've got to align our will with God's will. To change our life, remember, if, if there's an if, then there is a choice. Do I have a choice today, life or death, blessing or cursing? Do I have a choice today, God's good will, God's perfect will, God's acceptable will, or doing my own thing? Will God let me do my own thing? Here Matthew says, many are called, but few are chosen. And we've all heard that many are called and few are chosen. See, you've got to choose to be chosen. Many are called. Many are called. Back up. How did he get to this statement? Well, if you read the first part of Matthew 24, he's talking about there's going to be a banquet. And there's going to be, he makes this feast for his son and, and his son's bride. And, and he invites people. And what did the people say? Uh, God, I'm too busy. God, I've got too much going on and they go to their business and they go to do this or they go to their kids' sports or they, they do this and they do that. God, I'm too busy. Well, if God is in control, why wouldn't he make them come to the wedding feast that he's preparing for them? I want to pause for a moment and I want you to think about something. What makes us think if we don't practice coming to the feast here that we're going to show up for the feast there? There's going to be a lot of people in church that are surprised whenever time comes because you know goats and sheep smell alike. And the Bible says the, the, the sheep will be on one side, the goats will be on the other side, and there'll be a judgment that takes place. And we all sit in church, bah, bah, and the goats and the sheep, they smell alike, eat the same thing, poop alike, but they're not alike. Then what did Jesus tell him? He says, okay, they didn't respond. Now, 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 now what does he want them to do? He says, okay, I want you to go out into the highways and hedges. And he says, I want you to invite whoever will come in because my house will be filled. In other words, his will will stand. His purpose will stand. But the question we've got to answer is, will I be a part of his will? Will I be a part of his purpose? See, God loves people and God's will will get accomplished upon this earth. But he will, if we don't rise up and say, here I am, Lord, I'll do my part. He'll find somebody else to do your part. He doesn't want that. I've seen it time and time again. People, they start out going after God, living for God. And then they choose to stop halfway in the process because the pressure of the process gets too, too intense. And it's the pressure of the process that separates the committed from the uncommitted. See, those are, we can come to church and say, God, I'm interested in the good life. And I'm interested in the blessing. And I'm interested in having my life restored. And I'm interested in being delivered. And I'm, I'm interested in being free. And I'm interested in having my marriage together. And I'm interested in having my body healed. And I'm interested in, ooh, ooh, ooh. Remember, welcome back, Carter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? Or the chicken and the pig. We, we've talked about that before. You know, the, the chicken, it's just natural. What do they do? They just lay eggs all the time. Just, so you're going to have breakfast. Is the chicken committed or just interested? Just interested. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's have breakfast. Oh, there goes a the little egg. Oh, oh, there's another little egg. Oh, there's another little egg. 
But when it comes to the pig, he can't just be interested. He's got to be committed through the whole process all the way to the table. He's committed. Not just interested. See, the word committed in itself means dedication to a long-term course of action. That whether things are good or whether things are not good, I'm committed. Whether things are turning out the way I think they should or whether things are turning out a total opposite direction, Lord, I'm committed. Whether, whether I have an understanding or whether I don't, Lord, I'm committed. Say that, I'm, I'm committed. John chapter 1. Look at your neighbor and say, boy, you needed this. <laughs> John chapter 1 In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God He was in the beginning with God All things were made through Him and without Him nothing was made that was made and in Him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it The light shines in the darkness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light shines. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, you can just write this down. It, it talks to us about waking up. And it talks to us about arising. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, it says, Arise and shine, for His light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In the Amplified, it says, Arise from the prostration, the depression and circumstances that have happened in your life. Rise to a new life. See, we can be alive, but act dead. There's a lot of people in the church that, that were saved, but we still have the actions of a dead person. You know, you put somebody who's in a deep sleep right next to somebody who's dead, they have the same activity. But there's also people in the body of Christ that you're awake. And you're aware of what's going on. And you're aware of God's plan. And you're aware of God's will. And you're aware of what the Spirit of God is saying. And you're aware. And you're not just playing church. You're not going through church on the way to lunch. You're aware. And you're awake. And when light comes and it shines into a dark area of your life, you say, yes, Lord, I receive that. You know what happens whenever light comes and we see a little bit and we, we receive it and we accept it and we welcome it? Then more is given. And more is given, and more is given, and more is given. What happens whenever light shines into an area of your thinking or an area of your life, and you say, Lord, I receive that. James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Get rid of all uncleanliness and uh, filthiness and the rampant outgrowth of sin. It says, But receive and welcome and accept the word of the living God because it's the word that has the power to change your soul. So when you see light and you accept it, there's power there to change the way we live. There's power there to change the way we think. There's power there to change our finances. There's power there to change our physical body. But do we have a choice whether God's power works in us and through us? Yes. Do we have a choice of whether I'm going to praise when I don't feel like praising? Yes. Do we have a choice to give when I have nothing to give, it seems like, in the natural? Yes. Do I have a choice to keep standing on God's Word, keep declaring God's Word, keep thinking God's Word? Yes, yes, yes. He says, when you make that decision to arise, light is going to come, and light is going to come, and more light is going to come. Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the righteous, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter not duller and darker and blacker, but brighter and brighter and brighter. He's talking to us, the church, the hearers, the doers. 
me, you. Let's keep going. Verse 6, John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Notice this, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, if everybody would have been thinking right and believing right and on the right page, do you think they would have showed up at Jesus' meetings? But they didn't, did they? If people really realized what was happening in church on Sunday morning, that God's heartbeat behind the house of God and God's heartbeat behind the offices of ministry and God's heartbeat about all of us coming together, we couldn't stand. There would be standing room only in this place. But it says he came to his own... And his own did not know him. The Almighty came to them and they did not know him. The creator of heaven and earth came to them and they did not know him. They came to him. Jesus came to him. God in flesh came to him. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. God came to them and they did not know him. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And the Amplified, but as many as did receive him and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, the privilege, the right to become children of God, that is to those who believe, adhere to, trust in, rely on his name. So he came to his own and they did not know him. It says, but to as many as received him. The word receive means to take. In other words, I'm opening my heart, I'm opening my mind, I'm opening opening my life, and I'm receiving what you have to give me because I know it's good, I know you're faithful, I know you are a good dad, it's a good plan, you're a good God, you have goodness, that's all you are is good. And when I receive it, he says there's power there for us to become the children of God. The word become means like on the assembly line. You put this part with this part and this part with this part and this part with this part and you keep receiving God and receiving God and he takes this area of your life and this area of your life and this area of your life and the word become means to mature. That he's bringing all these things together to help us become the dominant force upon the earth. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. But if we don't receive it, he's not showing up. If we don't welcome him, he's not showing up. If we don't, we don't invite him in, he's not going to come in and blow the doors off the hinges and say, I'm going to do it anyway. God is only in control when we invite him in. God is only in control when we trust Him. God is only in control when we're willing to say, Okay, God, I'm willing to let go of what I I thought I knew. And I'm willing to embrace what you're saying. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Look at your other neighbor behind you, around you, something. Say, I'm glad you came. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit. Is this in the New King James? Do you have this or is it in the Amplified? 
New King James? Okay. New King James. Giving thanks to the Father has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Pause for a moment. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were translated, you were delivered, you walked from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It says that God qualified you through Jesus. He qualified you to be everything you're called and created to be. He qualified you for the power and the name of Jesus. He qualified you for a covenant with Almighty God. He, quali- he qualified you. Jesus qualified you. So when you receive Jesus, you're qualified. So, so let's quit saying, you know, I hear this saying all the time. And, and the, the, how you doing? <laughs> Better not deserve. No kidding. No kidding. Can we just get real? No kidding. All of us, you know what we deserve? Hell. Without Jesus, that's what we deserve. I don't want what I deserve. So better, so, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Better not deserve. Better not deserve. You know what you're doing? You're talking yourself out of your inheritance. Because God looks at you like you do deserve. You do deserve the right to walk in relationship with him. You do deserve the right to be in right standing with him. You do deserve the right for his spirit to fill your inner world. You do deserve your dream. You do deserve that business. You do deserve what God has placed on the inside of you. So quit saying, I don't deserve. I don't deserve. No kidding. You're talking yourself out of being who God has called and created you to be. It's not the devil, it's you. But we have this unworthy mentality in the body of Christ. And God himself thinks you're worthy. Why would he send his son? Because you're worthy. Some of you need to look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm worthy to have that dream. I'm worthy to have that business. I'm worthy to fulfill my my race. I'm worthy to know Almighty God. Yes, we've all done dumb stuff in the past. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that is cleansing us, has cleansed us, and you are free right now to be the best you you can be. So giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Thank you, Father. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Listen to verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. Who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus is, right? Now, we read in John chapter 1, we could have kept going to verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, that that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Right here it says that He is the image of the invisible God. The invisible God. In the Amplified it says, Now He is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the express image of, Of the invisible God. So what we didn't know about God, now we know about God through Jesus. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1, just to the right. So I'm learning. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, God who at various times, verse 1, and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the Amplified it says he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outreign or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature. He is. So if I want to see the invisible God, he says, look at Jesus. If I want to see Jesus, look at the Word. If I want to know the Word, I want to know God the Father. He says, look at Jesus. He's the very perfect imprint. He's the express image. Pause. Do you ever see Jesus having a bad day and causing a storm? No, but you saw him rebuking storms. Do you ever see Jesus going around putting cancer or sickness or disease on people? Answer. But you do see him commanding it to leave. Right? The very express image of God. The perfect imprint of God. He didn't get up and say, well, how's Jesus doing today? I don't know. He's having a bad day. You better watch it, boy. He'll wind that tornado up and send it your way. And why would, we, why would we say stuff like that? So God wads up the trailer houses and tosses it down the neighborhood in Oklahoma when the tornadoes and kills seven children and that just must be the will of God and God just must have a reason? How stupid is that? Excuse me, parents, if your kids are in here and I said that. I remember, you know, my kids and their little, we, you know, we didn't say stupid. We didn't want them saying stupid, all that type of stuff. And so we're at this conference, and we're right there by the, on the front row and everything. And this, if I said the guy's name, you'd know him. He's a very famous preacher and everything. He said something, and he said, and it's stupid. And Hayes was down there. He's a little, I mean, he's two or three. He had his bulls and his horses and everything playing down there during the service. All of a sudden, he just pops his head up. He looks at me and goes, he said stupid. But we've got to be real with what do I truly believe. If I truly believe that God is in control of everything, He's not doing a very good job. But He's the very imprint of our Heavenly Father. He's the express image of our Heavenly Father. But do I have a choice whether I'm going to receive His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Yes. Go with me to John chapter 5. Stay with me. You can give me a few more minutes, right? I didn't come all this way to play patty cake, okay? Ring around the rosies, pocketful of posy. No, oh, well, I... We come to, to learn, right? We're here to learn today. We're here to grow today. We're here to come up today. We're here to see more light in God's Word, to change the way we think, to change what we believe, to change the way we live. Right? John chapter 5, verse 30. In the Amplified, it says, I'm able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I, I get His orders, even as I hear I judge, I decide as I'm bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision and my judgment is right, just, righteous, because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. 
my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of Him who sent me. So he's saying, if you want to see what the Father looks like, Jesus is saying, look at me. If you're wanting to see what the will of God is like, he says, look at me. You hear something come out of my mouth and the way I dealt with the situation, if you want to know how God would deal with it, he says, look at me. So if we want to know the will of God, look at the word. If we want to know the heartbeat of God, look at the word. He's the very express image of God. The very perfect imprint of God. Keep going. John chapter 8. I'm going to give you plenty of scripture. I know some of this, we're going to need to chew on it a little bit. Kind of like you eat a steak, right? You just don't just suck it down without any water or chewing it up. I mean, you got you to chew on it a little bit, especially if this has been in our thinking that everything just happens for a reason. Yeah, everything probably does happen for a reason, but it doesn't mean it's God's reason. God is, is in control. Yeah, He's in control of the people who trust Him and love Him and give Him control, but He's not in control of everything. Well, everything will turn out for good. No, it won't. Not unless you make the decision, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to apply your word and I'm going to declare your word and I'm going to embrace what your word says. And then he says, then I will make it turn out for your good. John chapter 8. <clears throat> you can tell that... Uh, it's, it's, Lord showed it to me like this. My bride, Heather, most of you have met Heather before. Man, man I, I love her. And if she was, she was going down a road and I saw the road was out up ahead of us and she has the cruise control set and, and she's running, you know, 75 miles an hour and she just thinks everything's just hunky-dory and I love my bride. I'm going to do everything I can that I know if she doesn't turn around, she's going to run off the cliff and she's gonna, it's going to destroy her life. We are the bride, and God loves us too much to let us just keep playing, playing church and going through the motions. It's time for us to see our Father correctly in order to be the light, the dominant force that, is, that we're supposed to be upon the earth. Don't we realize that in order for us to have different results in the church on the earth, we've got to do something different than what we've done? We've got to think different, believe different, talk different, live different. We're supposed to be a dominant force. When the devils come to take your community, we're supposed to rise up and say, No, you don't. There's somebody in this community that knows who they are in Christ Jesus. And devil, I bind you on earth. You're bound in the heavens. I resist you and you have to flee. Stronghold, you come down in Jesus' name. No, you don't. Do you have a choice to say so in the matter? Yes, you do. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ upon the earth. Not the body of Christ's, but the body of Christ. The body of power, the body of victory, the body of success, the body of triumph. That is who we are. When Jesus came, he says, I was light shining in darkness. Jesus is not here in the physical any longer. It's you and I. And we're supposed to be the light shining in darkness. When you walk into that boardroom, you should walk in with the spirit of excellence about you and the light of God shining, beaming out of your pores. And when you open your mouth, the wisdom of God is coming out of our mouth to rearrange and change the circumstance and the environment and situation. Why? Not because you're so smart, but the smart one is in you. 
Not because of anything else, but the greater one is in on the inside of you. And God loves people and he wants to use you and I to reach them. But in order for us to be that vessel where God's power comes down and does a work in and through, we've got to be willing to see it correctly and realize the only time he's coming in is when I involve him. How much more involved can I get God in my life? How much more involved can God get in this church? How much more involved can God be in my finances? How much more involved can God be in my marriage? How much more can I welcome God? Do we have any room in our life to welcome God more? One guy said, the biggest room in your life needs to be the room of improvement. John chapter 8. Is that where I told you to go? Let's go to John 15 for time's sake. John 15. Let's just go to the Bible. Just read, read your Bible for dismissed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> John 15, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. I want to read it again. If I had not come, listen to what he's saying here, and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. You know, God doesn't hold us accountable for what we don't know. He only holds us accountable for what we do know. In Hosea 4, 6, says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, correct? And that is a problem. But another problem is what are we doing with what we know? Because a lot of times light comes and it's just like our phone, bzz, bzz, or we'll mute it. I'll do it later. Bzz, bzz, I'll get to it later. That dream's talking to you. Bzz, bzz. Why? Because it's too hard. It looks too difficult in the natural. We're going to have to change the way we think. We're gonna, all these things start coming up in your mind. Well, how? And this obstacle and that obstacle. Bzz, bzz. And God is just... Just wanting us to involve him. He's just wanting us to invite him in. He's just wanting him just to believe him. That's his job. It's his job to watch over his word. It's not our job to make his word come to pass in our life. Our job is only to believe. Our job is just to keep welcoming him and keep renewing our mind and to keep aligning our will and to keep saying what he's saying and doing what he's telling us to do. And, it, and it's his job to be God, not our job. Our job is to keep involving him, keep inviting him, keep welcoming him every day when he, you feel this in your heart to open up the door, come in, involve, I ask, I welcome, I receive, I embrace. Yes, Lord, I want your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. You know God wants his will to come to pass in our life a lot more than we do. Well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. Do we realize how religious we act? And we, we keep coming up with the same jargon and the cliches and, oh, bless the Lord, brother. And there's no change, there's no power, there's no victory. That is not supposed to be happening. But do we have a say-so in the matter? It was so funny when I was in Australia, I was just the difference in the environment. One morning I was preaching, you know, to this environment, the, you know, just rough people and just kind of giving an example. I know the kids, you know, you hear this type of stuff and just out in the world, but I mean, the Spirit of God would just move and they'd just, oh, hell yeah. 
And then that night I was preaching at church. Oh, yes, amen, brother, that's right. And I was thinking, isn't that so funny, the difference between just the realness? Remember when you first got saved and how real you were with God? And, and, and you didn't, this was real freeing to me because I was always taught growing up of what not to do. Don't do this, don't do that. And there needs to be, you know, the instruction of the kid and everything. But in church it was don't do this, don't do that. So I always thought my, my perception of God was what I couldn't do. But it was so freeing to me when it wasn't about what I couldn't do, it was about what I could do. And when I focused on what I could do, I could renew my mind. I could get my heart full. Those words would never come out again because of not what I couldn't do. I'm not supposed to say that. But because you're so full of God, instead of a cuss word coming out, a blessing comes out. Instead of a cuss word comes out, thank you Jesus comes out. Instead of a cuss word, whenever pressure comes on, it's I plead the blood. But just the difference in the process, we can't, we can't lose sight of the realness of our relationship with God. We can't lose sight of those intimate moments when you, were, when you were hurting and broken and you were a mess. I remember some of the most powerful, intensive times with God were when I was so whacked out, when I was coming out of all this type of stuff. I mean, it would have just made a religious person uncomfortable. But I'd literally see the presence of God fill that truck the whole time I'm doing this right here. But it was those experiences that made me so hungry for the power of God that it made me free and kept me free. That it, I, didn't, I didn't spend all my energy, quit that, don't do that, don't do that. I, I spent all my energy on focus on God, I want your freedom, I want your word, I want your power, I want your goodness. And the next thing I know, the desire for all that mess fell off of me because I was focused on what I could do instead of focusing on what I couldn't do. Living for God is not about what we can't do. It's about what we can do. And when you focus on what you can do, you're not going to want to cuss. You're not going to want to drug. You're not going to want to drink. You're not going to want to do all this type of stuff. Not because you can't do it. You don't do it because you don't want to do it. You want God. You want His presence. You want His goodness. You want the peace. You want the fulfillment. And Jesus said that I came to Him and I talked to him. And I showed him the heart of my father. And once I showed it to him, they're without excuse. Let's keep going. John 15, verse 23. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law, that they hated me without a cause. Now notice, who is he talking to here? He's talking to the so-called scripture, the scriptorians. Bible in the morning, Bible at night, Bible in the day. Could quote the first five books of the Torah. They spit it out. They were the men of the hour. They were supposed to know God, but they hated God. They were supposed to know God, but they couldn't see God. They were supposed to know God, but they wouldn't embrace God. They were supposed to know God because they had a head full of knowledge. But they were blinded. And notice, Jesus doesn't say, Well, bless God, I'm going to make them understand. He doesn't say, Just because they hate me, I'm going to make them love me. He doesn't do that, does he? Look what he does do. Matthew 22, verse 37. Just look up on the screen. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her? How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So Jesus, he didn't make them do something, but he did go up the hill and he started crying over Jerusalem because they refused him. He did go up on the hill and he started crying because they rejected him. He did go up on the, on the hill and start crying because he had a will for them. He had a destiny for them. He had a purpose for them, but they pushed him. They stiffed him and they didn't receive what he had. Does God make us involve him? Will God show up when we invite him? Yeah. We have a choice in the matter. And how does God reveal His will on earth as it is in heaven? Where's the scripture? John chapter 14. And we're going to be done. John 14. Look at this. Verse 6. And Jesus said to him. Let's just start verse 5. John 14 verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? God reveals his will through Jesus. God reveals His heart through Jesus. God reveals His mind and motives and intent through Jesus. And God wants to reveal His mind, His will, His motives, His intent through you and I. When Jesus showed up, He was the light shining in darkness. When Jesus showed up, He was the light of the world. When Jesus showed up, He was the express image of Almighty God. When you show up, God wants you to be the light of the world. When you show up, He wants you to be the express image of God the Father. When we show up, things should change. Is it a daily process? Yes, it's a daily process. But when you, when you see light and you embrace it, it develops your hunger and your thirst for more light. I don't do this because I think, well, I think being a preacher would be really cool. <laughs> I never set out to be a preacher even to this day. Yes, I study and I do everything I can to, to develop and, and to grow. But I want light. I want us to walk in victory. I want us to overcome. I, I want us to, to walk in the things we see in the Bible. And when you open up your mouth, all the hell shudders because you know who you are. We don't have our little Christian cards. Well, don't forget, devil, you better not mess with me. I go to Zamazama Church. <laughs> we have a choice in how much of the things and the power of God we walk in. When you hear this tonight and throughout the day and tomorrow, is it your choice to open the door? When you hear this on Tuesday, is it your choice to open the door? When you sit down and, or you're listening to the word, driving down the road or whatever, and, and you hear something and you know, oh, that's good, but you haven't done it yet, is it your responsibility to do it or is it God's responsibility? See, we can't leave up to God what He's left up to us. We can't leave up to Him 
what he's left up to us. Well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. No, it won't. We've got we've to make a decision. Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. He's a good father. He's, how many, and don't raise your hand, I just want you to think. How many of you believe that God has better than what you're experiencing right now? Now, now we say that. We say, yes, I, I believe that God has better for me. Now, in order for you to release where you're at right now and to go where God wants us to go, we've got to be convinced that when God speaks, it's because He has better for us. When God asks you to give something, it's because He has better for you. When God asks you to forgive somebody, it's because He has better for you. When God asks you to develop and do something, a little bitty thing, it's because He has better. If I'm not convinced that God has better, I'll never be obedient where I'm at. But when I'm convinced that God has better for me, has better physical for my body, better for my marriage, better for my kids, then I'm willing to obey because I know He's good and only good. And when He speaks, it's always to lead me to good because He wants me to experience a good life. Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the Bible bashers that lead people to repentance. It's not the religious people that look down at everybody, their nose at everybody that leads them to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You know, it's good. When you've been addicted to something and you're free, that's good. When you were on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven, that's good. When you know that God wants to protect you and lead you and guide you and direct you, that's good. God is good. Say God is good. And He's only good. He's only good. He's only good. We are the church. We have a choice of how much God is going to be involved into our life. And I want to encourage you to welcome Him in to your life.